Merry Christmas and welcome to New City, where our purpose is simple, helping people find and follow Jesus. Thank you for spending your Christmas with us as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. In just a moment, we'll watch a rebroadcast of New City South Park's Christmas Eve service. But first, I want to let you know that if you're new or want to get connected here at New City, you can do so by going to newcity.us connect. Fill out the brief form and let us know you're joining us today. Also, we have a list of upcoming events and opportunities to engage the life of New City in 2023. You can find out more at newcity.us events. We hope to see you in person in January. We'll be back together for services on January 1st at Matthews and South Park. Now, let's get ready to worship. God rest ye merry gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen. With nothing you dismay. With nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior. Remember Christ our Savior. He was born on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at New City today as we continue to help people find and follow Jesus. And we do that in a lot of ways here, but one of the ways that we've been doing that throughout the month of December is participating in what's called the Christmas Serve Offering, in which we get to highlight one of our local and one of our global partners who are doing amazing work to care for people in really unique ways. And the Christmas Serve Offering is a way not only to highlight some of these partners, but to also participate and taking up an offering in which every single dollar that is brought in gets pushed out directly to them. And this year for our local partner, we're highlighting Congregations for Kids who is doing amazing work in the area of the foster care system, reaching over 600 kids in our city and the families that have chosen to take them in as they seek to come alongside them and equip them and care for them. And then additionally, our global partner, Hinga, working out of Kampala, Uganda to help alleviate the areas of poverty through microloans and training, and even more recently with the building of a hospital, a brand new hospital to reach the over 50 million people in country in need of that. So we thank you for considering this. We thank you for participating. And I wanna invite you today to think about and pray about giving towards this great effort. If that's you today, I wanna to invite you to go to newcity.us slash give, where you can donate and be assured that every single dollar that is brought in goes directly out to one of these two partners. Thank you so much for considering. Merry Christmas. Thank you for serving the children and families that are connected to the foster care system here in Charlotte. We could not do this work without you. We are so grateful. Thank you 
Thank you so much. Muevale, muevale, ño. Well, Merry Christmas, New City. My name's Gabe. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Those are two awesome organizations, and so I hope you'll um, consider part of your worship and Christmas giving this year um, to to participate in the Christmas Serve offering. Uh, And like Travis said, you can give online, or we will have boxes located in our lobbies after the service if you'd like to drop a donation in there as well. Um, I'm so glad you are here today uh, to worship the one true king who's made his entrance into the world and will one day come and make all things new. And um, if if this is your first time here, maybe um, you're looking for a church, you're looking for a community, maybe you've been here for a while, but you haven't gotten plugged in yet, I just want to invite you to to come back. We have services every week, um, not just on Christmas Eve, and I just want to invite you to come and um, make new city your your spiritual home here. Um, Well, it's a joy to celebrate Christmas um, together, Uh, but before we continue our worship, I just want to invite you to stand and say hello to someone around you. Wish them a Merry Christmas.
Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are in awe of your love for us, that you would rescue us from the domain of darkness and bring us to light. Lord, we know that you are a God who is with us, who is for us, and who in all things demonstrates his love. Help us to hear you speak today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you remain standing as we hear the scripture for today? Hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream to not return to Herod. All right. Thank you, Lexi. You can be seated. Merry Christmas, everyone. So grateful to have you here tonight on this Christmas Eve. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at New City, and you're just most welcome in this place. If you're visiting with us, um, I hope this won't be the last time that you're here. Just know that you're always welcomed here. This is always a home for you. And as we get to know each other a little bit tonight, I know for some of you this is your first time, or maybe you're just returning after some time, and I just want us to get to know one another by doing a little bit of a group activity and just solving a, a kind of a, a Christmas crisis, if you will, that, that happens every year. It's, um, it's Christmas music. And I wanna do a survey and, and just see if we can get around this and, and bring some sense to this. So here's my first question. I'm just gonna let you look at the answers and then um, I'm gonna have you raise your hand and kind of stand behind your answer here. The first question is how early is too early to start listening to Christmas music. Now, now, I want you to think about this, okay? And look at the four options. Some of you would say never, you can listen all year long, okay? Let's talk afterwards, we'll pray together afterwards if that's you. Um, some of you would say before November 1st. Some of you would say before Thanksgiving, right? And then some of you would say, and maybe I apologize for the service tonight, uh, please shut it off, stop, uh, just stop. Okay, how many of you would say Christmas music can be listened to all year round? Yes, yeah, some of you, awesome. Merry Christmas to you guys. All right, how many of you would say before November 1st? Great, that's reasonable. How many of you would say after or before Thanksgiving? Okay, there we go. And how many of you, I mean, you can do this in the quietness of your heart too would say, um, please shut it off, stop, just, just stop. There's, gotta, there's usually one, okay, someone in here, okay, that's awesome. All right, here, here, here's the next, this is, stick with me here, this is very important, here's the next one. Um, just kind of as a society, um, what song do we need to drop from the rotation forever, from Christmas music? And think about it, the first option would be the Chipmunk song, does everyone know that one? Okay, you're welcome for putting that back in your head tonight. Um, and then Christmas shoes, do you remember that? The child and buying the mom's shoes and 
the whole thing. Yep. Uh, last Christmas, I've argued with our team on this one. To me, this is a hit. Uh, this is wham. I think it's disrespectful to wham for this to be up here. But last Christmas, or um, same thing. I love Feliz Navidad. Um, but yeah, there you go. Okay, so how many of you would say the chipmunk song? This is me. I'm with you, okay? We just don't need to hear any more of that. Um, how many of you, the world is sad enough. How many of you would say the Christmas shoe thing? It's just too much. It's too much. Um, I don't even want to do this one, but I will. How many of you would say Last Christmas by Wham? Really? That is a hit. Um, Feliz Navidad. Anybody? Okay. All right. I would have never thought, okay, I think we made some progress. I would have never thought um, about this song. I'm going to read the lyrics here as a Christmas song. But when I heard the passage that you just heard read, which is the Christmas story as told by Matthew in his gospel, his four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew tells the version of the Christmas story and gives his perspective. And when I heard this song, which I'm a child of the 80s, okay, so this is an 80s hit, and when I heard it, I thought, this is, this is a Christmas song. Let me just read a couple of the, the lines to you, okay? It's my own design. It's my own remorse. Help me to decide. You got the tune? Some of you are singing this now in your head. Help me make the most of freedom and of pleasure. Nothing ever lasts forever. Everybody together. Everybody wants to rule the world. Yeah, someone sang it. That's awesome. Tears for fears. Um, I would have never thought about that as a Christmas tune until I read Matthew chapter two. And the reality is this song could have been Herod's Christmas song. Maybe this was on repeat in the palace. He's living for his own design, for his own pleasure. His philosophy was eat, drink, be merry, get the most power that you can, for tomorrow we die. Nothing is ever going to last forever. Now, I know in a room this size and on a night like tonight, all of us are on different places in the spectrum of faith. Some of you have encountered Jesus You've named Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, and you're following passionately after him. Some of you are kicking the tires on faith and answering what I think is the most important question that could ever be asked or answered, which is, who is Jesus? And I'm so glad that you're here tonight to hear this message. Uh, some of you would say, you know, I'm not sure how I ended up here, and I'm not really sure where I am in, in, in my faith journey, but I'm, but I'm curious. I'm open to it, at least hearing. I think no matter where you might be on that spectrum, and no matter what your engagement might be with the Bible, God's word to us, there's one question, everyone watch this, from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, to the end of the Bible and Revelation, all 66 books, there's one question that all of the Bible, if you read one verse in your life or whether you read passages every day, the one question the Bible asks every single one of us, Okay, so when you engage the scriptures, whether you read it one time or you read it every single day, there's one question that God on his tiptoes is screaming out to every single one of us through his word. The question is, who is your king? That is the question of the Bible. And more specifically, the question is, who's in charge of your life? Who has authority, rule, and reign over your life? And the reality is the answer to that question affects so many things in our life. Our relationships, our careers, our pursuits, our dreams, our desires, our purpose. How we answer that question that the Bible asks every single one of us in the room tonight, and for those of you watching online, the question is, who is your king? And it's the same question that God's been asking since the beginning of, of time and creation. And we see in the Christmas story here in Matthew chapter two, a couple of different answers, which by the way, the three answers that we, that we uh, read about in our text tonight in Matthew two verses one through 12, I think are the same three answers that we continue to give as a culture, as a people. So the question, who is your king, is answered multiple ways by multiple characters in the Christmas story. And the first answer, if you're, if you're taking notes, maybe you just want to jot down a couple of notes here from Matthew 2 and think about it later on. The first answer in the Christmas story, the story that we just heard read together, is from King Herod. 
Now, Herod actually was not in the lineage of King David, who was the rightful king of Israel. Herod was a puppet of the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in the day. And they installed Herod as the king of the Jews to represent Rome's interest. So he has no familial um, right to be sitting on the throne. He's only installed because of power and the Romans remaining in power. He expanded the temple. He had all kinds of building projects that were monuments to himself, but he was a vicious ruler. In fact, he murdered multiple members of his own family to stay in control. And you want to know the way that Herod answers the question, who is your king? And it's the same way that some of us answer. We might do it actively or we might do it passively. But the first answer, who is your king, right from the Christmas story, same answer that we have to wrestle with. Herod says, I am. I'm the king. I'm in charge of my life. I'm the ultimate authority for my life. There was another king that came 600 years before the time of Christmas. And he was, he was actually a madman. Maybe you've heard his name before. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. And he was from a place called Babylon, modern day Iraq. And he said this, this was like his life philosophy. He, and he had it inscribed in multiple places. You can still see it in, in architectural findings today. Nebuchadnezzar's life philosophy was, I am, and there's none beside me. So when God is asking us through his word and his presence, when we come to Christmas Eve service and we're celebrating King Jesus and the claim of the Christmas story, the question that God's asking all of us is, who is your king? And, and Herod says, that's easy, I am. I'm in charge of my life. And I think you would agree with me, for some of us were just meeting for the first time, that many people in our culture and our world today would answer the same way. I'm in charge. You, you do you and I'll do me and we'll leave each other alone. You can be your own king and I can be my king and we can live our life however we want to. And here's the deal, guys. The message of Christmas, the message of Jesus, King Jesus coming to earth to rule and to reign and to inaugurate his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven is a very disruptive message for people who answer, I am my own king, or at least it should be. If the Christmas message isn't disruptive to you and to me, then we're probably not understanding the true Christmas story. Look at verse three in Matthew chapter two. It says that Jesus in verse one was born during the reign of King Herod. He was born in Bethlehem, right? And it says that when Herod heard the news from the wise men who came looking for the new king of the Jews, what, how does it describe his mood when he hears that? Does he say, oh, that's great. I've been, I've been looking for Jesus. I've been looking my whole life for someone who can look after me and, and be, take charge of my life. And I, I wanna go with you to worship. Is that his response? No, it says that he was deeply disturbed. And, and, and moreover, all of Jeru- everyone watch this, all of Jerusalem with him, the holy city of David, who's been waiting for Jesus to come as Messiah, when he comes, the news of Jesus coming, the actual Christmas story was greatly disruptive to Herod and everybody in the city. And that should make us pause and go, well, what are we missing Is the Christmas story disruptive in my life? The Christmas story is disruptive, right? When we answer just like Herod did in our own way, I'm in charge of my life. And Jesus comes and says, nah, nope, you're not. Actually, it's not all about you. Actually, you're not the king of kings. And the whole idea of Christmas, first and foremost, is a disruption of us worshiping ourselves and thinking that we belong only to ourselves, that I am and there is no other. So three answers here. The first one, maybe the easiest one, I'm in charge. I'm the king. Here's the second answer. It gets a little bit trickier here. And I'm saying this as a pastor, okay? The second group of people in the Christmas story that we heard about in Matthew chapter two are the religious leaders, the leading priest of the day, the leaders of Israel, those who were spiritually um, entrusted to shepherd over Israel. And the message of Christmas, Jesus coming to earth was greatly disruptive to them. And what was their answer? It's some of our answer too. 
Remember, the same three answers are, are, are still present today. The first one here, it says, I am. The religious leaders say, we are. No, we're in charge here. Um, Dallas Willard, I, I, I love this, and as some of you enter into uh, time with your extended families, this is maybe a good thing for us to think about. He said, when you have to be right, when you always have to be right, you'll always hurt people. When you always have to be right. Now, t- now just remember, what, what, what tomorrow at lunch, and, you know, your uncle is saying all the things, or your cousin is saying all the things again. Just remember, you don't have to be right at the table. You don't always have to be right. Dallas Willard said, when, we're, when we have that mentality of I have to be right, I have to be in control, we hurt people. And here's, the, here's just a really sad part of the Christmas story. The people who should have known the story of Jesus the most, who should have been leading other people and saying, this is Jesus, let's, let's go and worship him. They missed him entirely. And it should cause us to say, why is that? Why did these people miss him? The religious leaders, the story of Christmas, why did they miss Jesus? Because they were so entrenched in their rightness, their need to be in control. And everyone watch this. The systems that they had created so that they could remain in control. And so it was more important for them to remain in power and control and to say, we're right together, than to admit that, you know what? There's another king and another power that's come into the world that's greater than us. And just like John the Baptist would later say, we've got to, because here's what Jesus does in all of our lives, guys. When we really encounter Jesus, the true Jesus, not a cultural Jesus, not a religious Jesus, the true Jesus for who he really is, it, we, our, the cry of our heart has to become the same as John the Baptist. We must decrease, the volume of our life has to be turned down, and he must increase. You know, um, Richard Rohr said this, about when we think about groupthink, which by the way, groupthink can overtake Godthink. You talk about groupthink out of control. Here's religious leaders who found their power and their comfort in their group. And we can do the same thing too, right? Richard Rohr says it's easier to belong to a group than it is to belong to God. Now think about that one. It's easy for me to belong to my political party. Whoops. It's easier for me to belong to my ethnicity. Everything in the culture says, you know, you are identified by your sexuality, by your race, by your ethnicity, by your socioeconomic status, by your country of origin, all these different groups and ways that we categorize people. And Rohr says it's so much easier to find your identity and your rightness and your power and your group of choice than following God and say, no, God, my identity is in you and in you alone. And what we see busy happening here, guys, is the undoing of people and all of our schemes to remain in control. Whether it's political power, that's Herod, I'm in charge, I'm the king, or it's religious power, we're in charge, we're the king, we're in control here. All of this is being, don't you see? This is all being undone and disrupted by the true Christmas story. And the truth is, the same thing has to happen in our hearts. When we encounter the true scriptures and the story of Jesus coming into this world as the king to be worshiped, all of our schemes are undone. All of them are broken. You know what's so fascinating to me? Here's the king of the Jews, right, in Jerusalem, sitting on the throne, and here's all the religious leaders and the priests sitting in the temple, and you wanna know how far away Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? Some of you know, five miles from here to uptown. And they couldn't be bothered to go. I'm gonna instead stay in the power and the safety of my throne, of my temple, and I'm not gonna journey at all towards Jesus. And the truth is for each of us, we can think about Herod and we can think about the religious leaders and like, man, I can't believe they missed it, but we can do the same thing. We, we can stay in our little temples and on our thrones that we've constructed for ourselves and not humble ourselves to be able to come to a lowly manger, an outpost to Bethlehem, to see this thing that God has done. The message, the true message of Christmas can only be received by the poor in spirit. 
those of us who come to the end of our schemes, our power, our selfishness, and instead we come and say, I'm not the king, and we're not the king. You're the king, Jesus. And that's the third answer. There's another group, remember? There's Herod, there's the religious people. Who else show up in Matthew's story of Christmas in Matthew 2? The wise men. We don't know how many wise men there were. Tradition says there's three because there's three gifts, but we don't actually know. But what we do know is they traveled hundreds of miles to see this thing that God had done. And more than likely, they had heard about the star that would rise in the east that was prophesied about in Numbers chapter 24. And that teaching had been passed along to them. And you know what's so fascinating? Guess where the wise men came from, their country of origin? Ancient Babylon, Remember uh, Herod, he took the, philo- the Babylonian philosophy, I am and there's none beside me. Isn't it so interesting how God redeems all of that? And it's actually three men or four or five, we don't know, that came from Babylon from that place where that philosophy originated of humanism, of secularism. And that isn't enough for them. I, I just don't want you to miss this. They-, they were right in the middle of humanistic thinking, of philosophy. I am and there's none beside me. We, we are powerful. And, and there's something about all of that that they understand and they know it's not enough. That the cry of my heart is for something more than this world can offer. And so they set out hundreds of miles following what? What are they following? A star, right? Think about that. Right now, you know, when you go home today or you're going wherever you're going, you're going to put something into your phone and follow GPS and follow the directions. They're following a star. And they're traveling hundreds of miles. And when they get there, they go first to Jerusalem and they sit with Herod, right? Right with all the religious leaders around Herod as well. And they ask the question, which is super awkward. It's a really awkward question in the Christmas story. They say, where is the king of the Jews? And who are they asking? The king of the Jews. So there's probably a real awkward pause. And what's interesting is the king of the Jews, Herod, doesn't even know the Bible. He has no idea. Micah 5.2 says that Jesus, the Messiah, is going to be born in the city of Bethlehem. He has to go to the religious leaders and they say, oh, we have all the knowledge. We know where the Messiah is gonna be born. But again, they can't be bothered to leave Jerusalem to go with the wise men. And so instead, Herod says, hey, um, when you find Jesus, come back and tell me because I, I, you know, I'd love to meet him. And so off they go to Bethlehem. The star comes above the house where Mary and Joseph have made their home. Jesus is probably one to two years old at this point. And all we know about that encounter that's captured in the Gospel of Matthew is that when the wise men get there, now here's the deal. The wise men were a combination of politically powerful people. They had royal lineage, but they also were the mystics. They were the spiritual leaders. So this is what's so cool. They were sort of a combination of Herod, political power, and the religious leaders all wrapped in one. And if anybody could have sat in their country and said, we have political power, we have prestige, we're mystics, all the people come to us for the answers, they could have sat there, but they don't. They journey towards Jesus because they know that there's something that their hearts are craving. There's something more to life than what life, what I can see and taste and feel, can give to me. So they get to the manger in Bethlehem, the house that Mary and Joseph had established there. And I don't know what happened, but Jesus is one to two years old. I mean, we have some one and two year olds in the room tonight. So I don't know if they had a conversation or if Jesus was crawling around on the floor or what was happening there, but there was something about the presence of Jesus before he had done one miracle, before he had preached one sermon. There was something that made these grown men that had political power and spiritual power fall down on their knees and worship. And worship is simply giving worth to God. It's responding to who God is. So in that moment, they're humble and bowing down before him and saying, we're not the king, Herod's not the king, the religious leaders aren't king, you're the king, Jesus. And they offer him gifts which are significant for who Jesus is as as deity and as royalty. Sorry, buddy. It'll get better, I promise. Um, 
and, and, and they're, they're, they're just left in awe of who Jesus is. And their journey has carried them all the way to him in Bethlehem. And then, this is, it gets even better. It gets even better. God tells them in a dream in verse 12 to not go back to Herod. And instead of listening to a star or listening to what Herod said, they listened to God. And I love this language. Look at verse 12 here. It says that they returned to their own country by a different route. And of course, this was physical. They, they physically went home a different way. But I think it's deeply spiritual that they returned a different way because they were different people after encountering Jesus. They knew that they weren't the king. They knew that together as a group or their country of origin or whatever, that, that that wasn't enough, that a group wasn't enough. They knew that Jesus was the king of kings. Think about it this way, right? The ones who followed a star on their journey go home following the maker of the stars. They journey following ancient teachings and nature. As some of us in the room tonight, just in our spiritual journey, we're looking for all kinds of different things, spiritualism, stuff in nature, maybe ancient teachings, all kinds of ways that God begins to draw our hearts that there's something more in life than ourselves. And these men did the same thing. But when they see Jesus, when they encounter Jesus, they know they've been in presence, in the presence of the King of Kings, the God of the world. And that's the Christmas story. If I could summarize the Christmas story in three words, it would be this. Jesus is King. And in that answer, those three words, God is on his tiptoes to each of us tonight, each of us watching, saying, I'm the king. I'm the one that you're looking for. I'm the one that your heart is longing for, that place in your soul and your heart that's not restful. You, you've chased success. You've, you've chased power. You've chased spirituality. But you've never encountered me. And when we encounter Jesus, our hearts are changed. Do you know, um, in 2019, there was a survey done of Americans, and here was the question. This is an amazing question. The question is, have any of you ever really been known by anyone else in your life? Have you ever really been known by somebody else in your life, yes or no? And I want you to think about that in your own life. Have you ever really been known 58% of people who took that survey said, no. Do you think it's gotten better since 2019? I wonder if you would answer the same way. If you would say, nobody has ever really seen me, known me, met the greatest need and desire of my heart. And dear friends tonight, the message of Christmas is Jesus came to do just that. To see you, to know you, to love you, and to give charge over your life. I wanna read one final thing as we close tonight. I just wanna give you the gift of a few moments of quiet and reflection as you think about these words and these answers to who is your king? Am I the king, are we the king? Is Jesus the king? And before we leave tonight and and continue on with all the wonderful things that we have planned, that you would just give yourself the gift of a moment or two of reflection and prayer. And here's what I'd love for you to do as I'm reading this, is just to close your eyes and to imagine the very first Christmas that we talked about tonight, to imagine it from heaven's perspective. You know, we tell the story, and rightly so, from earth's perspective of Jesus coming to earth. But I want you to just journey with me for a minute and think about heaven's perspective that very first Christmas of King Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth for you and for me. Listen to these words, and if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes and use this as a, a few moments to reflect on what you've heard and maybe even pray. This is adapted from a, a writing by Charles Martin. The very first Christmas from heaven's perspective. The father arose from his throne to hug his son. He buries his face on his son's cheek and kisses him. The time has come. 
On earth, the sons of Adam have lost their way. Each has gone his own way astray. The entire human race has been taken captive and the enemy is torturing them. None of them will survive the night. The son, Jesus, has volunteered for a rescue mission, but it's really a prisoner exchange. The whispers are true. Their freedom will cost the son everything. His life for ours. The father holds his son's hands and in his, in his and tenderly touches the center of Jesus' palm. He already knows what's coming. A tear rolls down the face of the ancient of days. The son thumbs it away. I'll miss you, father. He glances at earth below and hell in between. Billions of faces shine across the timeline of history, and he knows each of them by name, even yours here tonight. We are the joy set before Jesus. Jesus turns to the Father. He says, I'll give them your word, and I'll declare to them your great name. The son looks with longing at his home. Voices rise from every corner, singing at the tops of their lung. It is the loudest singing in the history of song. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne, to the king of kings forever and ever. Angels bow. He pats many on the shoulder as he passes by, kisses some, hugs others. As he turns to leave heaven, leaning against the two giant doors that lead out into the Milky Way, he turns to the Father, eyes piercing and penetrating, inviting. He smiles. We're going to need more rooms in this house when I come back. He waves his hand across the timeline of faces because I'm bringing each of them with me. The sun exits heaven, blanketed in the singing of more than 100 million angels and bathed in the tears of the Father. The word becomes flesh, and in a moment, he's gone. From a lowly manger in a forgotten town, the silent night is broken by the cries of a newborn baby. The king has come. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope and without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the Shall reign forever. 
Jesus stood on the steps of the temple during his ministry and he proclaimed that he was the light of the world. John said that in him, in Jesus, is life. And that life is the light of all mankind. He said the light, it, it shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. I, I, I'm not sure tonight what kind of darkness that you bring into the room. A confusion, a disappointment, the pain of losing someone this year, the reminder that maybe life isn't going the way that you expect or you thought. The message, dear friends, for every one of you that brings a, a grief or a trouble or difficulty into the room, which I think is all of us, the message of Christ, the message of Christmas is this, that the light of Jesus has overcome the darkness of life. Because Jesus lives, because of Christmas, we can face tomorrow. Even as we leave today and go into a confused, a broken, a dark world, we carry the light of Jesus and the hope of the message of Christ. As you receive this message tonight, as you receive this candle, this light, I wanna invite you to also receive and to give this blessing to one another from one light shared with the entire room, the light of Christ to you, Alan. The light of Christ to you. The light of Christ to you. The light of Christ to you. The light of Christ to you, Sarah. The light of Christ to you. Bless your friend. Merry Christmas. light of Christ to you. Bless your brother. The light of Christ to you. Merry Christmas, guys. All right. The light of Christ to you. Bless you. Merry Christmas. The light of Christ to you. stand as we sing together.
Thank you so much for being with us tonight. If you'd like to speak with someone about a relationship with Jesus, how to start a relationship with Jesus, there's something you wanna pray about, we'll have members of our team, they'll have a yellow lanyard in both the four years when you leave tonight. So grab one of them, they'd love to speak with you or pray with you. If you'd like to participate in our serve offering, all of it's gonna go to two wonderful uh, partners, both locally and globally. We'll have some spots in the foyers that you can give along with the green boxes on the wall that you can give an offering to. If you're able, would you just carefully uh, raise your candle for a benediction as we go tonight? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord this Christmas Eve make his face to you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and turn his attention your way. And may the Lord tonight and all throughout this week and your life fill you with his hope and his peace and his love. In the mighty name of King Jesus, amen, amen. Merry Christmas, New City. We love you. Thanks so much for joining us online today. As a reminder, you can give to support our partners, Hinga and Congregations for Kids through the Christmas Serve offering at newcity.us give. Merry Christmas.